If you're a Christian today, how excited are you about being a Christian? Honestly, how excited are you? How excited are you about what God has done for you and in you? How excited are you today for what he is doing currently in your life? And as you meditate upon those questions and think about that in preparation, let's, let me ask you some other things. And in saying this, before I ask, yes, we all have different personalities. I am not talking about personality. There are some that are more bubbly than others. There's some that's more conservative than others. God's created us just the way he's made us. But that's not what I'm talking about. Are you really excited about God and the things that he's doing? Well, let me ask you this. When is the last time you shared with anyone what God is doing in your life? When is the last time you openly shared God's goodness? When is the last time you shared the gospel, the good news? We believe it's the power of God unto salvation, Romans chapter 1. We believe that it is what changes lives. We believe that it is what has kept us from death spiritually. We believe that it's what brought forgiveness of sins in our life and gives us eternal life. And without it, people are doomed to hell. When's the last time you shared it? When is the last time you invited anyone to this local assembly? You say, I've already invited everybody I know. Really? I don't care if you've been around 100 years, you haven't invited everybody you know and everybody you meet. When is the last time you invited anybody to a Bible study or a small group? When's the last time you went to one? When's the last time you went to a men's meeting? Or invited someone to a men's meeting? When's the last time you went to a ladies' meeting? When is the last time you went to a special event that was just going to inconvenience your personal schedule? Are you really excited about the things of God? Am I? When is the last time you sat alone and just took inventory on your spiritual relationship with God? When is the last time? You have to answer these for yourself, and so do I. When is the last time you sat and reflected on your relationship with other believers? We're co-members of the body of Christ. 
fit in perfectly into the body by Christ. When is the last time you reflected on your relationship with Fellowship Bible Church? When is the last time you saw yourself excited about the things of God? We can lose, as believers, the longer we're saved, appreciation for what God is doing. We can lose appreciation for who he is. We can lose appreciation for fellow believers. We can lose the joy and excitement of our salvation. We can lose the desire to serve. We have done enough. We can lose our focus on who God is and what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. As human beings, we are frail. And we have a tendency to dwell on some things. Like what? The past. And how glorious things were in our lives. Are in past situations. Is that the way you want to live out the rest of your Christian life? We can dwell on the negative. We can dwell on what is wrong with Christianity today. What is wrong with the United States of America? What is wrong with the people of God? What is wrong with the leadership? What is wrong with Fellowship Bible Church? What is wrong with Fellowship Christian Academy? What is wrong with this? What is wrong with that? And that is, becomes part of our whole conversation. We can become so desensitized to our own emotions because we don't want to get overly excited or too charismatic that we lose the feelings and joy and excitement. The Bible becomes nothing more or can become nothing more than a technical book and we become Bible technicians where we can quote a verse to show anybody anything we want and there's no excitement about it in our life whatsoever. It is very possible for us as believers to, to become just plain dull. Dull in our Christianity, dull in our personal walk, dull in the things of God, dull in what's going on in the local assembly. And so I challenge my own heart and I challenge all of us that it's sometimes good to take a step back and to take up inventory and to stir up the coals. As I come to Psalm 103 this morning, I would not do justice to the scriptures. Most of you know me by now. If we didn't give it 
some of the historical setting and understand what's going on. This is a Psalm of David. I'm going to concentrate on application, but this is a Psalm of David. This book of Psalms is probably, in my personal opinion, one of the most beloved books of the Bible. People love the book of Psalms. Why? Well, I'm sure we could go on with all kinds of reasons, but certainly one of them, I believe, is because the Psalms speaks right to our heart. The Psalms get down to our everyday living. It deals with the practical aspects of our life, our trials, our victories, life on earth, relationships with one another, relationships with the one true living God. The book of Psalms contains the shortest book in the Bible, or the shortest section of the Bible, Psalm 117. It also contains the largest, Psalm 119, larger than all the major prophets. You might think of it in chapter-wise, but I'm talking about as you go through it. It's known as the book of praise. It's a book that was associated with and designed for instruments and music. Its structure in the book of Psalms is basically we have five books within a book. The book of Psalms has been likened by many to really be five hymn books. You've got basically five different hymn books and we have two in the pews. We have five within this one book called the book of Psalms. And as we come to Psalm 103 to give you some of this setting, we come to the fourth book. It actually is interesting because this fourth book, would you turn with me for just a moment to Psalm 90? This is where it begins. Psalm 90. Begins in Psalm 90, this fourth book, and notice it says in verses 1 and 2, the Lord has been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world. And he puts in perspective God and his person. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. That's how the book starts. And the book proceeds all the way through Psalm 106 with tremendous writings of praise to he who is everlasting to everlasting to the author of everlasting life, to the author of life itself. And the writer of Psalm 103 is the great shepherd David, the Lord's chosen one to the people of Israel. Psalm 103 is the first of four psalms of praise. Psalm 103 through 106 end up in tremendous praise to Almighty God. It was a psalm of David and it was personal to him. It was a psalm also to Israel, as you saw as I read it through and we referred to Moses. They were the covenant people of God. That's the context. They were the covenant people of God and David was the one that God had chosen to lead them and it was personal to him. And in this psalm, we won't have the time to look at all of this because I do want to get an application. But in this psalm, David actually takes things from creation 
all the way through the exile of the nation of Israel. And he reflects on how through Moses and through the covenants and God's faithfulness in everything that he's done, even when they were not faithful. And his voice and his heart is just filled with tremendous praise. And in this Psalm 103, he calls for absolute praise and focus on Almighty God. <clears throat> First of all, from his own soul. Second of all, from the people of God, meaning the nation of Israel. And then he even goes beyond that as he closes the psalm to the angels, God's messengers, who carry out his work. And ultimately in the psalm, he goes beyond all of that and basically says, all of creation needs to be focused on praising God. With all the trials, with all the rebellion, with all the other things that have taken place, he wants them to get back and wants his own soul to get back to the person of God and who he is. It's my hope today to spend a few moments with you to reflect on Psalm 103 from an application point of view. I will not exegete it all with Israel and its fine points. But the Psalms that are so comforting to us, is there any application here for us, Pastor Dan? The answer is absolutely yes, and let's spend our last moments before communion in preparation for communion on applying some things in a limited way from Psalm 103. You notice in verse 1, it starts with, bless the Lord. It's a call to praise. What do you mean, bless the Lord? How can I bless the Lord? What this means is to speak well of. Let me stop right there with some of the questions I asked. You say, I'm a believer. Are you speaking well of the Lord to anyone, even yourself? You say, I don't know, I can't get in front of people publicly. I have trouble with talking with people. How big is your God? What has he really done for you? How excited, you know, I, I don't want to get too, I don't want to roll in the aisles past the dead. No one's asking you to do that. In fact, if you did that, probably carry you to the back in this church. However, we've become so refined and so conservative, and worse, we live in New England. And that's even worse for conservatism. We're afraid to let our emotions out and really just cry out with thanksgiving and speak well. That means to praise. When he's talking about bless the Lord, he's talking about praise the Lord. If you get a praise the Lord in Fellowship Bible Church, sometimes the windows shatter. And it's not just here. It's New England. And it's not just here. It's a lot of believers. And I am not standing here looking for a bunch of amens or praise in that sense. I am not a one. You've never heard me say that. Can I get an amen? If I can't get an amen by God working in people's hearts, I don't want it publicly from anybody. God's the one that's got to work. But our soul and our heart should be speaking well of God and speaking praise and thanksgiving. How? Notice what he says. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. 
Well, I'm not sure, Pastor Dan. You know, I can do that for my soul. Wait a minute. Look at the rest of the verse. And all that is within me. Let everything about me. He's not saying whether or not you've got this personality or that personality or whether you were brought up in this home or that home or whether you lived here, you lived there or whether you're poor or you're rich or whatever. He's just examining and he's saying, bless the Lord, let me speak well of the Lord, praise him and thank him with all of my being. What is that? With my thoughts, with my words, yes with my actions. And this is abundant through all of these last four Psalms. Let me just highlight it quickly. Look at verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he says. Look at verse 22, at the end of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 104, verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Look at verse 35. And these are only a sample in these passages. Look at the end of the verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Verse 1 of Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Psalm 106, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For the Lord is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. And on it goes. And you'll see the concept of praise the Lord, O my soul, throughout every one of those psalms. David did not want to retain it. David did not want to be a shepherd, if you will. David did not want to be a person who knew God, who basically, I'm a silent shepherd. Let my life live my testimony. He wanted his whole being, his thoughts, his actions, and his words to be thankful and to be praising God. And you know, go back to Psalm 103. David was very practical. Because David knew that is the desire of his heart. And I want to say, standing before you, I have no doubt in my mind, honestly, that those of you that love the Lord want this to be in your life. We do. But we don't get there. Why? David knew that. And notice what he starts with. A call to remembrance in verse 2. And forget none of his benefits. Forget not. Why? That is our tendency. That is our tendency as human beings. It is our tendency in life. And David, as he's calling upon all of his being and everything within his being, to lift up the name of God, to praise God, to give thanks. He called himself immediately in thought and do not forget his benefits. Why? Think about it, folks. We take everything for granted. How many of us in this room right now are taking for granted our health? Some of you may not be because you're struggling with it. But most of us are taking for granted our health. How many of us don't take for granted our parents? We expect them to feed us. We expect them to clothe us. And they better give us an iPod and an Xbox and everything else, or else they're not good parents. You know I'm being facetious. 
You get the point. We expect that. Of course, of course we're leaving here, Pastor Dan, and I'm going home to have lunch. They better be ready. We expect it. We expect to have the freedom to move from Massachusetts to New Hampshire, from New Hampshire to Vermont, from Vermont to Connecticut, to South Carolina, to Florida, to California, and have the freedom to go to any store we want, to do anything we want, because we live in the United States of America. We better have this freedom. And if we don't, I'm going to let everybody know about it. And we want more freedom. Why? We take it for granted. We forget. We forget how many lives were given to get this freedom possible. We forget all that our parents go through with sacrifice, with work and labor and hours and pain and suffering to make it possible for us to have the things we have and to get the love that we have. We take for granted the fact that we come to church and we have believers who are teaching in Sunday morning studies, who have spent hours in preparation, and people are praying for us, and people are caring for us, and we just expect it. It's supposed to happen. In fact, I wonder what would happen today if you came to church, and I just decided, by the way, you know, it's a nice day. I'm getting a ride right to the beach, and I didn't call you. And Pastor Chris doesn't know. He gets up here, and he's, well, Pastor, well, you know, I doubt very much all of you would have left and said, oh, I hope he had a good day. I hope it was wonderful. We're going to have a great day. There'd probably be a board meeting in the afternoon. What's going on with this guy? Did he take a vacation day? What's happening in his life? We take things for granted all the time. You get the point. We expect. We lose our excitement. And then we blame everybody else for it. And David knew that. And you say, what benefits? David didn't leave us there. He was very practical. And I think it's very practical to our lives. We ought to praise the name of the Lord. We ought to be excited about the things of the Lord. If we just remembered his benefits alone, what benefits? How about his gracious acts toward us every day? How about his provision for you? How about the privileges that you have? How about where he's placed you in the body of Christ? Well, how about being more specific? He is specific. And his specifics, let me give it to you this way, cover the spiritual, the physical, the current, and the future. Israel, David, and you and I need to remember who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And so he takes him back. Verse 3. He reminds Israel, reminds himself, we need to be reminded, who pardons all your iniquities. Do you take that for granted? Do I take for granted the fact that we sin every day in God? He doesn't overlook it. He pardons it on the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. He pardons it. What does that mean? We are guilty. All men are guilty. We're all sinners and have come short of the glory of God. There is not one righteous, no, not one. Psalm says in Psalms, 
God looked down from heaven to see if there was anyone that was doing good. Guess what the results were? Zippo, none, nana. There isn't anyone. They're all bad. And our society goes on to say, oh, men are good. Really, pick up your TV set, pick up a newspaper, get on your iPad, find out how good men are. We're rebellious. We refuse. You look at Israel, you look at us, look at verse 10 through 12, just on this one verse, I'm reflecting on verse 3. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. How many times have you quoted this? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. Those who fear him. Yes, believers we're talking about here. As far as the east is from the west, how far is that? Infinite. As far, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. If you're a believer today, your transgressions, yes, Israel as well, they needed to understand that. They were a rebellious, stiff-necked people who refused to obey God, and God had removed their sins as far as could be as the people of God as they trusted in him. You want a New Testament example? Let me give you one. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Put your name in there if you're a believer. When you were dead, when you were dead, when you were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive. If that doesn't create excitement in you, you better go sit on a bunch of nails or something to wake yourself up. Because if you're a believer and that doesn't excite you, you're only probably a professing believer. All. Having forgiven us, all, not some, all of our transgressions. Isn't that unbelievable? There is nothing that man can do by way of individual type of sin, violation of the law, that's too great for God to forgive. If you're here this morning and don't know Christ, and you say, yeah, but you don't know my past, you don't know what's in my past, God knows all of your past. There isn't anything that you haven't done that God doesn't know about, and he's not willing to forgive. He is willing to forgive it on the power and the sacrifice. He's pardoning it because of the sacrifice of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I who know him, we ought to stop right there with the benefits. Those are the benefits that he has caused us to benefit. We were aliens to God. We didn't have the covenants of God as New Testament Gentiles. And even now, he's forgiving us of all sin. And he continues to cleanse us from all of that sin because the power of Jesus Christ, according to 1 John, continues to cleanse and cleanse and cleanse. Magnificent power. So David says, let's not forget his benefits. He pardons all of our iniquities. And listen, folks, I can't help. It just came into my mind, and I am going to say it. What a sad place we are in this world. Do you realize now, and there's no other way to put this, 
Do you realize today, 2013, on May 5th, there are people 15 years of age who cannot vote, who cannot own a license, who are not able to drink legally, who can go out and commit murder legally. You say, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor Dan? The pill that has just been approved for women. And our world covers it over. That's where we are. And God is so great that he will still forgive those who come to him through Jesus Christ. How can I not be excited? Well, I'm waiting for you to get to the next one, Pastor Dan. Who heals all your diseases. First of all, this is not a future promise. It wasn't for Israel. As they went through, God healed them over and over and over again. This was not something for their future. He had healed them. He had provided for them physically. Has God healed you? Has God provided for you even physically? There are many in our presence. I gave you testimony about what just happened in my son's life when I was away from you. God simply can. Someone asked me that recently. They, it was just this past week. Honestly, they had no idea what I was preaching on. I'll be honest with you, neither did I. I was studying Titus, and the Lord just took me in a different direction this week. But someone asked me that. Do you believe God heals today? Absolutely. And he can. And he does. He just doesn't use healers like he did or will do in the future. But God, how many times has he provided for you health-wise? Even that, just by application. And provides for you daily, even in the area of the physical. And he redeems your life from the pit, death itself, eternal death. Crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. We do not face the pains of even hell to go that far. Because of what God has done. Is that enough to excite us? Apparently not. His loving compassion, his kindness toward us every single day. Do you mean to say, isn't it amazing sometimes you have to pull testimonies out of people? Let's be honest. We're always afraid of what everybody else is going to think of us. We should care less. What we should do is care what God thinks of us. How many of you have answered prayer this week? Don't raise your hand. Why aren't you sharing it? How many of you saw God blessing in your life and praised How many of you said, praise the Lord, this just happened, and how he protected me in this situation? How he, why aren't you sharing it? Praise the Lord, you know, I'm saved from grace. Why aren't you sharing it with unsaved? Well, I don't know what they're going to think of me. You know, and I, I got I to... Gotta, I gotta, I gotta. We should be excited. Every day. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all those who are oppressed. The Lord knows. That was verse 6. Verse 5. Who satisfies your years with good things. Is, is that true by way of application here? Has God been blessing your life with even good things? Let's just leave it general. 
Has God blessed your life and provided for you in the many practical ways of life? And if you look at verses 15 to 22, which I haven't got the time to do, our lives are just like this. They're passing by like this. But verse 17, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who love him. Time's escaping, we need communion. Let me say this. Can you honestly say from your heart and soul this morning, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? Bless his holy name. Have you taken inventory to remember what God has done in the salvation of your soul, what he's doing in your life now? And is that enough to excite you? If not, as we get prepared for communion right now, and we'll partake of the elements, that's what this is all about. What? Remembering. Remembering what God has done through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This doesn't make you holy. This doesn't make you right with God, this communion. It causes us to reflect back and to remember what he's done and then to love him. My God help us to be excited David had to take inventory. And might we speak well and openly about what God's doing? Might we reflect on our relationship to him, on our relationship with one another, on what he's doing in our lives privately, what he's doing in our midst publicly, what he's done in the past, and what a glorious future we have with him. Say, I'm going to be in heaven for all eternity. Praise God, if that doesn't excite you. But he's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. That's why we're here. You say, Pastor Danny, you have no idea. All the trials and tribulations, you know what? Paul summarized it very quickly. It's, it's just for a moment. And it's not worthy to be compared with what is waiting for us in heaven. In fact, I have a personal belief that if God really showed us what heaven was like, none of us would want to stay here. But God's left us here for a purpose. It's to glorify his name. It's to bless his name. Might we be a people that do that? Let's close in prayer, and let's have the communion service. Our Father in God, I know my own heart needs stirring up I believe many of us here do. I believe this local church does. And I believe, Father, we need to be reflecting and not forgetting what you have done and what you are doing. And I pray that from the lips of all the folks that are here, we would bless your holy name. We would speak gladly and loudly with excitement about who you are and what you're doing. Might it be with our whole being. Might others see that joy of salvation. And like David prayed, after the sin he had in his life, if there be in our midst believers here who have been in sin, might they confess it to you. If we've been lacking that joy, might, like David prayed, you restore to us the joy of our salvation. And might as you work in others and in our life, 
And as we get changed, might we then share what you're doing with others. We pray, Father, if there be in our midst those who don't know Christ, Father, help them to see that they cannot possibly be excited about the future, the things of God, until they come to know you. Help them to come to fear your name and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepare our hearts now and help us to reflect on this as we enjoy the privilege of partaking of communion. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As the elders get prepared, if you're a born-again believer, we encourage you to partake of the elements of communion this morning.